Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. We thank you that your word is truth, your word is life, your word is powerful. And God, your word is greater than anything that we will ever face in our lives. And God, we pray, God, right now that you would speak to each and every one of us as we look at worship, the incredible tool and gift that it is to every one of us. God, I pray that we would avail it, that we would use it, that we would embrace it today. Touch our hearts today. Make a difference, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, man, you're looking good today. Looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good. So coming out of the summer, we decided that we were going to go through some mini-series and back them up behind each other. We just came out of an incredible series for two weeks on prayer. Wow, what a great time that we had. I really pray that strengthened your prayer life. I pray that it's given you a prayer life. And now we're going into a mini-series on worship, but we're not leaving prayer behind. We're just adding another dimension to your prayer. Because when you can add worship into your prayer time, it takes it to new levels. And see, what you've got to realize is, as a pastor, we are a shepherd. Our role is to lead the church, to lead you in the different seasons that we find our lives going through. And I believe right now, this is a great season for us to really refocus our lives. Summer's ending, kids are going back to school life has kind of changed drastically again with all of those changes and adjustments. And what I find in my life personally is summer maybe has the tendency for us just to kind of lay off the gas just a little bit and to coast because we've got vacations, we're here, there, we're busy, we're consumed. And then life gets back to normal again. And that's why I want to just look at our lives and say, let's refocus prayer is one of the greatest ways we can do that. Worship is one of the greatest ways that we can do that. And I want us to realize the incredible tools that God has given to us. Tools that we have at our disposal, not to take them for for granted. I love to work with my hands. I love to build stuff. I, I love to do stuff. I know Allison is Allison in the house. Allison used to always laugh at me and she thought, she said, man, I thought you were a city boy, Pastor P. I didn't realize you, you could build things and you could do things. I, I love to do all of that. But what I've realized is this, in building and doing and constructing, it sure helps when you have the proper tools. It makes life a lot easier when you have the proper tools. A skill saw, which is an electric saw that cuts wood, is a lot better than a hand saw. Anyone remember the old screwdrivers that every time you had to tighten something, now you can just, and it's done. Makes life a lot easier when you've got the proper tools. And that's why we've got to realize God has given us the proper tools to make our lives a lot easier. But even with the proper tools, we can get complacent. 
can not have our batteries charged. We, we can just forget. We can get complacent and take them for granted and realize that we will never step into the full potential that they have for our life and for our future. Remember the story of the young axe man. He was the woodcutter. And one day he decided he was going to challenge the old woodcutter at who can chop down the most trees in one day. He thought he had him beat. I mean, he was stronger. He was bigger. He had to win. And so they started off and chop, chop, chop from each side of the forest. Chop, chop, chop. And the young man was chop, chop, chopping. And then he would listen in the distance and he would hear silence. And he would be smiling and he'd say, man, I'm going ahead. The old man's having a rest. The old man can't keep up this pace. And then he would hear chop, 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 start again. And then he would hear silence. And at the end of the day, they came together and the young man was feeling so confident and so full of himself. And they said, well, sir, how many trees did you cut down? And the young man gave a figure, say it was 20. And he thought, man, there's no way. I I heard him stop and the old man, when they came to him, They said, how many did you chop down? And he chopped down twice as many as the young man. The young man's horrified. He's like, but I heard you doing nothing. He said, son, when you heard silence, he said it was me sitting down sharpening my axe. You see, so many times in life we want to go through life and we think just because we're doing something and we're engaging is is, is good. But I believe there's times where we need to sit down, refocus, sharpen our axes and realize the tools and the giftings that God has, that we have a fresh look at worship, a fresh look at prayer. And for the next two weeks, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the basics. That's why I've called this message today, Worship Unplugged. Unplugged, because I want to strip it back to its original intention, its purpose, its plan and design that God has for each. Why was it created? What is its purpose? And here's what you've got to know and what you've got to realize. And here's where we need to start. And that is this. We all worship something. We all worship something. Maybe not God, but there's something that we all worship. Worship is that which we show our love and attention towards. And why is that? Why do we show worship to something? Because we were created for worship. A background, and and let me, I haven't got time to go here for long, but let me just say this briefly. Lucifer, son of the morning, Satan, the devil, the adversary, he didn't always begin as the devil. He was Lucifer. He was the morning star. He was the son of the morning. He was heaven's praise and worship leader. Did you realize that? You can read it for yourself when you get home in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. The Bible says that his very being was timbrels and pipes and strings. He was a walking instrument of praise before God. But something happened. One day he said, why should I send the praise to God when I can take the praise for myself. So what did he do? He stole worship from God. Have you noticed Satan's been stealing worship from God ever since? And that's his goal and his purpose. And he said, I shall ascend unto the mountain. I shall be great. Well, God soon put a stop to that. And God removed him and he fell from heaven to this earth. So from that day, there has been a vacancy in heaven, a vacancy of a worship leader, someone 
to take on worship. Think about music. Musical instruments can be separated into three groups or categories. They call them that of wind, percussion, and strings. Wind, percussion, and strings. Your wind instruments would be that which you would blow, such as a trumpet, something like that. Then percussion would be drums, cymbals, that kind of thing, something that you would hit. And then strings would be that which you could pluck, such as a guitar or a violin. Think about this. We were created for worship. God made us an instrument of worship. Why? Because in mankind, we have wind, percussion, and strings. Come on, we have wind in our lungs that we can give praise to God. We have percussion. Come on, we can clap our hands and we can stomp our feet. And then we have strings that are called our vocal cords, that when we begin to speak, they vibrate and go backwards and forwards. So what are you saying? I'm saying right now, you are created by God to fill the vacancy that Lucifer, Satan left. And now it's your responsibility to be a worshiper and a praiser unto God. So that's why we're created to worship something. And Satan knows he cannot stop our worship, so he stops the direction of it. He changes what we worship and what we give our lives to. So here's what worship is. Are you ready? Worship is our response to what we value the most. Worship is our response. The giving of ourselves to that which we value, what we value the most is what we worship and give our lives to. I saw this last week in my daily reading. It said this worship and service are very closely connected. In fact, the same Greek word latrio is used for both. So all human beings are worshippers created to serve. So you either are worshipping and serving the one true God or you are worshipping and serving someone or something else. Now, now God doesn't mind that you have other things. God doesn't mind that we enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy life. But here's where the problem comes. He doesn't mind us having those things, but He begins to mind when those things have us. When they take control over our lives and they steal our attention and they steal our focus and our worship. Why? Because God must be first. And I've said this many times. He's not first on your list because if you put him first on the list, he has the opportunity to move down the list. God needs to be first, not even on the list. God needs to be across the top of every one of our lives. But yet so many times we replace him. And you can ask, well, pastor, why is that so important? Here's why. What you worship, you become obsessed with. What you become obsessed with, you imitate. And what you imitate, you will become. So it's so important what we are worshipping because that will follow our obsessions. We will begin to emanate that and we will begin to become those things. So today, if you don't like what you are becoming, you need to look at what you are worshipping. If you don't like the outcome of your life, you need to look what's sitting on the throne of your heart. What has precedence over God in your life? Look at this scripture, Romans 1, verse 21 and 23. Romans chapter 1 is a pretty interesting chapter. Read it when you get home. But look what it says. Because although they knew God, 
They did not glorify Him as God. They knew God. This is obviously speaking to believers. People who have a relationship in some degree with God. They knew God, but notice this. They did not glorify Him as God. They did not worship Him as God. He was not the top of their affection, of their list, that which they valued the most. And it goes on to say, nor were they thankful. You see, what happens when we begin to worship anything else apart from God, every area of our life begins to go on the decline. It's, it's affected by that. But they became futile. That word futile means empty, vain, confused. Literally, they became perverted in their logic and thinking. They became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They really became fools and they changed or exchanged the glory, the worship of an incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Notice, although they knew God, they did not worship Him as God. And they exchanged their worship from Him to themselves and to idols And to other things. Look what happens when worship is gone. Thankfulness is gone. Their minds go in the wrong direction. Their hearts are darkened. It's not good. It's not good. So today I want to look at some of the ways that we have exchanged. Some of the ways that we have changed our worship from God to other things. Let's look at a few today. Number one. Come on, we have substituted God. That's one of the things that we have done. We've substituted God. We have replaced Him with something else. I wonder what your substitution today is on your notes. You're taking notes in church, I hope. I wonder on the page if you were to write, I wonder what so easily could substitute God in your life. Maybe it's football, sports. Maybe it's work, school. Maybe it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Maybe it's the gym. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's money. I wonder what has substituted, taken the place of God in your life. Why? Because we're all worshipping something. And really, if you want to know what you worship, have a look in your bank statement. That will probably show you what you're worshipping. What are we giving our time and energy to? What are we valuing the most? Most of you know what's happening on September the 2nd. Don't look at me all holy. You know what's happening September the 2nd. Dun, 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 dun. Boom, boom. Come on, it's opening day of LSU. Acting all holy in the house. Some of you know what's happening on September the 9th. That's when the saints kick off. Come on, it's amazing. We're, we're living for that. Wow, I can't wait for that. We're counting down. We're talking about it at work. We're getting our shirts out already. And we're getting our stickers on our cars. We're, we're pumped. We're getting our tickets. We're getting ready. And maybe I shouldn't go there, but I am. But I am. It's amazing how we will substitute God for something that only takes from us. Come on, it steals your joy, takes your money, takes your time, messes your week up, messes your Sunday up. Don't even come to church because they didn't win on Saturday. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding in the house. Because we've substituted God. We've placed something. Remember, God doesn't mind we like those things, but those things cannot have us. They cannot take the place of God In our lives, you can love it, but not more than God. And unfortunately, so many times we do a great time of the year to refocus and be reminded with those things. 
You see, because it's so easy to allow those things to substitute God and we don't even many times realize it. We don't realize it. And anything we worship before God becomes an idol in our lives. An idol in our lives. Because for it to be before God, it means that it now occupies a place that's higher than God. Is LSU higher than God in your life? Is the saints higher? Is sports? Is the gym? Is all those things higher than God in your life? Listen, it's easy to say no, but let's follow you around for a few days. Let's check out your social media. Let's check out what you're posting and what you're saying. Deuteronomy 6, 14 and 15, do not follow other gods, small g, because the God, small g, of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, capital G, He is among you. He is a what? Jealous God, and His anger will burn against you. Come on, He's a jealous God. He doesn't want to share your attentions. He doesn't want to be put second place in your life. He wants to be the Lord. He wants to be over your life. So you can find the blessings that come through worshiping Him. But yet we so often substitute God in our worship. Here's the second way we've exchanged and changed our worship through our pride. Our pride. Our pride is a big issue. It's a bigger issue than we think. If you don't think you have an issue with pride, you're probably prideful. (laughs) Because we all struggle with it. We all have pride in our lives. And pride, when it comes to worship, usually says something like this, God, I want to, and I mean to, and I plan to, but you are worried about what other people may think or say. Well, I I don't want to cry. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to look foolish. I I don't want to do those things. One thing I've realized in this church, and I'm so thankful for it, you're probably not going to be noticed, and people probably aren't looking at you, But you're probably going to stick out a little bit more if you don't worship than if you do worship. Come on now. Because we're creating an atmosphere of worship in this house. We want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel apart. But what I'm saying, it's amazing how our pride can have us totally consumed about what other people are thinking. Well, others are looking at me. They're listening to me. What are they thinking? We think so much about what others think, but yet we push aside what he loves. What does God love? John 12, 42 and 43, nevertheless, even amongst the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they be put out of the synagogues, for they loved the praise of men more than the praises of God. It's a place where many people are today. They want the attaboy from men. They want to be pleasing to men and those around them instead of being pleasing to God. Has your worship, has your devotion to God been exchanged by what other people think? The third way is a word that you maybe have never heard of before and it's called hedonism. Hedonism. In the Wikipedia, hedonism says this, hedonism. Hedonism is the school of thought that argues that the pursuit of pleasure and intrinsic goods are the primary and most important goal of human life. A hedonistic strives to maximize net pleasure, but when having finally gained that pleasure, happiness remains stationary. I thought, wow, 
that their pursuit of pleasure at any cost. But yet when they find that or they pursue that and they have that, their happiness still remains stationary because that's not where happiness is found. That's not where joy is found. So what do they believe? It's the belief that pleasure and happiness is the goal of life. So it's a life where feelings rule. Morals are gone. The right choices are gone because now everything is based upon what I feel. There's perhaps not a greater word to describe the society and the time that we live in today as that. All morals are out. All feelings are in. As long as it feels good, what does the word tell you? It's okay. As long as it feels good, then do it. Pursue it. And the world has created such an atmosphere that's needed to support that, to validate that, to fuel that, to nurture that. Express your feelings. Come on, even Disney, that was the big push for many years. Express yourself. By telling you it's okay to do that, to foster those things, to embrace those things. Listen, it doesn't matter what the world embraces. It doesn't matter what the world tells you. It doesn't change what God's word says. They say it's okay. That's who you are. It's not okay. I said it's not okay if that's not who God made you, if that's not the plan and purpose that God has for your life. Because what do we know? Your feelings will Yeah, they will. Your feelings are going to lie to you. Your feelings can't be trusted. Can't be trusted to lead you right. Because feelings come and feelings go, but the Word of God remains the same. Truth will always be truth. His Word can be trusted. His Word can be trusted. Come on, we live in such a society and a day today, and this is not on my notes, but I feel led to go here. We live in such a day where sexuality is so challenged. Well, what are we? I'm not a man. I'm not a woman anymore. So um, I'm something in between. That's what God made me to be. No, no. God made you man and he made you woman. Come on. God's word says that. But we have perverted our thoughts and we've tried to steer away. And because that's what I feel, then it has to be right. No, the enemy wants you to feel that way because he wants to lead you the wrong path. You've got to realize the enemy's out to get you in any way he can. And if he gets you feeling those things, he wants you to become those things. Come on, I'm not a result of my feelings. I'm a result of my faith and trust and belief that I have in God. And I'm going to say it today. You ready? If you want to know if you're a man or a woman, look in the mirror. Because you will see the image that God created you to be. Now we worship our feelings instead of God. Now, Now I'll be honest with you, it's great when we have our feelings. When we worship God, it's great when you worship God and you feel something, those warm, fuzzy feelings. It's great when you get goosebumps. It's great when tears come. It's great, but that's not the goal of worship. The goal of worship is not for me to feel something. The goal of worship is to give God what He deserves. It's the goal, whether I feel it or not... He's still worthy of the praise. Just because I stayed up late watching a movie last night, God is still worthy of my praise today. And you can say, well, I'm just feeling a little bit tired today. Don't let your feelings rule because then you are allowing them 
to lead your life instead of God. Well, pastor, I just don't like that song. If they sang a different song, I would worship. Well, pastor, it's just too loud. It's too dark. The lights are too bright. The lights are too dark. Huh. It's amazing. How many people have so many complaints like it's for you? We love you, but it's not for you. It's all for him. Come on, I said it's all for him. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of the God. The Bible says the trees clap their hands and praise. Why? Because it's all for him. It's all for him. I said this so many times, and don't worry, we're not going to do it. Don't worry, we're not going to do it. But we could sing, we all live in the yellow submarine, and I could get my praise on to God. Because I, I, I don't have to have a certain words to lift my hands and begin to praise God, because I'm going to praise Him. Come on, Judah said it the other day. Judah told me, he says, Daddy, you've got to raise your hands up in the air, and you've got to begin to raise them just like you don't care. Come on, can we have a praise break in the house today? Yes! Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Well, I don't feel like it. There's a sacrifice. It's pushing through. And what is that sacrifice? It's the fruit of our lips. It's giving thanks to his name. Sacrifice speaks of something offered up, something given. It involves a cost. Come on, if you've heard the story about the pig and the chicken, they were throwing a party. Anyone heard that story? The chicken said, I'll bring the eggs if you bring the bacon. How many know someone was in it for a little bit more than the other? Come on, a chicken could lay an egg, but the pig had to lay down his life to give the bacon. What I'm saying today is this. We can give a little to God or we can surrender everything to God. Come on. We have based our worship on whether we feel it or not. And not on what he deserves. And you may even add this. I've heard it. I've heard it all. Well, pastor, that's just not my personality. That's just not my personality. That's not who I am. Well, what if that's what God wants? What if that's what God likes? You withhold him from God. And come back next week. We're going to talk more about that. We've changed our worship by becoming a spectator. Being a spectator. Not engaging in worship. Just showing up. Well, I showed up at church today. Brownie points. That's good. How would any relationship in your life work that you truly valued and loved someone? How would that relationship work if all you did was show up and did nothing else? If you just said, hey, when I married you, I told you I loved you. And if that changes, I'll let you know. How how, how would that relationship really go? That you are there, but you're not present. Tell me me how that's going to work for your life. It's not going to go down very well. If I treated Kelly like that, we would have no relationship. But that's how we treat God. We just show up. And we say things like this, Don. We say, well, God knows that I love him. God God, God knows my heart. He knows that I love him. Yes, he does, but he wants to hear it. He wants to see it. James 4, 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. It's amazing. Most of us are waiting for God to move. God already made the move. 
2,000 plus years ago when he gave heaven's best for every one of us. He didn't hold back on his only son and he gave his best that he could give to a world that was the worst that it could possibly be. But he already made his move. He expressed his love by giving his son to come and die for us. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Come close to God. Draw near. In other words, we don't need any spectators. We need some participators. Come on, we want you to be a participator. We want you to be a participator. You may say again, well, pastor, I struggle with that. That's not what I feel comfortable with. Here's what our challenge is. You ready? Go just a little bit further. Come on, if you, if you normally lift your hands to about here, why not just kind of come up to here? Come on, just go that little step further. Come on, maybe if, if, it's, if you're feeling it in one of those legs during praise and worship, just start feeling it in two of them. Come on now. Because what's going to happen, it's going to begin to work its way up and things are going to begin to happen. And again, you can say, oh, but pastor, that's not my personality. Ladies, let someone steal your purse and see what you're going to do. Help, help, help me. No, you're going to be like, help, help. Come on, I've seen you in front of the LSU games. I've seen you watch football. I've seen the excitement that you get. But yet when it comes to church, you're like a statue. Come on, take it the next level. Take it the next level. God doesn't want us to be a spectator. We've exchanged worship by being a spectator. Here's another one. Are you ready? Traditions. Traditions. Religion. Traditions. How we have always done it. Now, let's all be honest in the house. Most of us have a preference when it comes to worship. Some of you got really excited when we were singing I Exalt You today. That's, that's a great old song that we've sang for years. Some of you, man, that was like, man, I w- I'm glad I came to church just for that today. Because there's preferences that we have, styles and types. And that's not wrong to have different preferences. But sometimes I wonder if we worship our traditions and our preferences more than God. remember this, your tradition and your preference is just a way to God. It's not the only way to God. And if you want to worship like that, then do it at home. That's, That's great. But remember this, come on, we are here to worship God corporately. We're here to break the mold of tradition and religion. And we're to love God. Matthew 15, 3 through 9, Jesus replied and he said, Why do you break the commandments of God? Do you break them for the sake of your traditions? He said, for God said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother should be put to death. Listen to me, that, that's, that's wow. We think, man, I can just dishonor my parents. That was something that in Bible times they could lose their lives over. But what's happened? You don't like that. So you say if anyone declares that they might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother. In other words, they try to confuse everything. Man's good at confusing the mix. Oh, so as long as I'm, if if I'm not honoring them, but I'm honoring God, and now I'm not honoring, then it's okay. As long as I'm honoring God, and, and never mind all those kind of things. But Jesus says, no, you're nullifying the word of God for the sake of your traditions. And I haven't got time to go into all of that, but I just want you to see the traditions, traditions. Jesus said in verse 7, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he spoke and prophesied about you. 
Because he said, here's the problem with these people. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. And so what do they do? They are worshiping me in vain. Emptiness. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. I wonder how many times our worship has just become a song or a tradition. It's become a lip service with no heart engagement. We know the words, so we can just lift our hands. We can go through the motions. We can do all of this. But I wonder if we're really giving it from our hearts. Remember last series we talked about prayer. We broke it down really into two key things. We're going to pray first, and we're going to pray like we mean it. Remember we talked about that? We're going to pray first and pray like we mean it. But why not worship like you mean it? Why not worship like you mean it? Don't just sing a song. Live a song of worship. Don't just pray a prayer. Live a prayer. That's what we talked about. Let's do the same with our worship. And that's five main areas that have changed or exchanged true worship. So that's what worship isn't. So let me quickly look at what worship is. What is worship unplugged, stripped back? What is its true meaning? Let's go to the book of Psalms. It's a good place to go because the book of Psalms is a book of songs. It's a book of those things that would be sung and wrote. It's no coincidence, I believe, that the book of Psalms is the book, biggest book in the Bible. Because there's praise and there's blessing. I believe it shows the emphasis of praise and worship and how it needs to be in our lives. But look at Psalms 50, verses 8 through 15. It says, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. And that was good because God was the one who instructed them first and foremost to do that. But notice what God says, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals in the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hill. I know every bird on the mountain and all the animals in the fields are mine. So as they're bringing an animal as a sacrifice and as a gift to God, God says, that's already mine. It's already mine. You're not really giving me anything because you're just returning. It's all already mine. He goes on to say, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the whole world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meats of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? See, what God is saying here is this. I don't need all of that. I already have all of that. It's all already mine. But we're now about to see in the next few verses what God does want. And God is about to tell us what he wants because it's something he doesn't have. You mean God doesn't have something? Yes. God doesn't have something. And that something that he doesn't have is our worship until we are willing to give it to him. Come on, so listen to me today. Your worship is giving God something he doesn't have. Because he doesn't demand it from you. He doesn't force it from you. He presents you with a choice and he wants you to do it. But that's a choice that you have. But then he shows us what he wants. And really what simplified worship really is. Verse 14 and 15. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. I have all of that, but I don't have thankfulness, God says. God says, keep the vows that you have made to me the most high. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. You will worship me. So can we learn today about giving God something that he doesn't have unless we will give it to him? Three things really quickly. Number one, give thanks to him. 
That's what worship is, giving thanks to God. It's having a thankful heart. It's an attitude of gratitude. God loves it when we express our thanks to Him, not just for what He does, but for what He is doing in your life too. And and I thank God for that. But most importantly, God likes it when we thank Him for who He is. My grandfather said this so many years, Pastor John Cameron. He said, to a thankful heart, a double portion comes. I believe that. I believe that. To me, thanks, I think, is one of the most powerful things that I can hear. And it's not because I need it. I don't need your thanks. I appreciate your thanks. But I don't need it, but I love it. I said, I love it. Come on, there's nothing more. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing more great when you take your kids out for a fun day. You have a good meal together. You have fun together. And in the car going home, they just say, Dad, thanks for a great day. Oh, my goodness. You're not asking them to pay for it. They couldn't even if they wanted to. You're not asking them to pay you back. You're not even demanding something. But come on, Mom and Dad, you know what happens when they say thank you. Something motivates. Come on, look at this. Thanks motivates a response. I truly believe that because all of a sudden you're like, man, when are we going to do the next one? Because just that thanks motivates you. Just that simple word of thanks. I haven't got the scripture, but Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know the password to enter into his presence? Thank you. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. What's the password to get through the gate? Thank you. When's the last time you just threw your hands in the air and said, God, I thank you for everything that you have blessed me with. God, I thank you that you're my strength. You're my hope. You're my blessing. Come on, that's worship. Come on, that's worship and giving to God. When we begin to worship God, He hears us. That's worship as we begin to give thanks to Him. That's what He deserves and desires from you. Something He doesn't have without you. I don't want ever God to have what he doesn't. I don't want God to ever go without because I'm silenced in my worship before him. Second Chronicles 6 verse 9. It's a beautiful picture. The eyes of the Lord are searching the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord are out looking across the whole earth. Looking for what? To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed, a thankful heart, a heart that is given and surrendered to God. Number two, how do I worship? What does he say? He says, give him all of your life. We just read in Psalms 50, 14, keep the vows that you have made to the Most High. What is a vow? A vow involves taking a relationship to the next level. It's a commitment. It's something that you hold. Come on, I love you, so I'm making a vow to you. That's marriage. That's connection. Come on, stop dating God and become fully exclusive with Him. Romans 12 verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true 
and proper to give your life as a living sacrifice. That's your true and proper worship. What is my worship? Giving my whole life over to God. Kelly and I made a decision a number of years ago that everything that we have is God's. God, our house is yours, our cars is yours, our kids are yours, our money, everything that we have is yours. It's helped us a lot because when the enemy comes to rob those things and take those things and destroy those things, we can look at God and say, okay, God, it's yours. What are you going to do? The enemy's messing with you, God. It's not just me, the enemy. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Do you, do you see what happens? There's a transfer of trust there because I suddenly realized, devil, you ain't messing with me anymore. That, that, that's God's kids. That's God's house. That's God's car. Why? Because I made a decision. I'm going to give everything that I have to God. God can even have my dog. How's that? Bentley. You can even have Bentley the dog. Come on, so our worship is giving everything to God. That's how we worship God. And the last one is this, band, you can come back. Worship is including Him in your everyday life. Every part of your life. Include Him in your marriage. Include Him in your family. Include Him in your work. Include Him in your life. Why? Because He's a jealous God. And He wants every part of you. He wants your life. He wants every part of you. So what have we done? We've exchanged true worship for so many other things. But what God wants us from us is thankfulness. Come on. God wants our lives to be totally surrendered and given to Him. And then God wants us to worship Him with everything and include Him in every part of our life. That's worship. That's worship. Come on, I want to live a life that thanks God for everything that He has done. But more than that, I want to live a life that thanks Him for who He is. Because I may not be well today, but I'm thanking Him because He's still my healer. I may not have the money that I need today, but I'm thanking Him that He still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Come on, I may not feel that breakthrough and that peace in my life today, but I'm thanking Him that He's still the peace that surpasseth all understanding. That He's going to guard my heart and my mind. Because I'm not just thanking Him for what He's done. I'm thanking Him for who He is. And I believe that's where that sacrifice of praise, because it's easy to thank God when you have it in your hands. But it's another thing when it feels like it's been ripped from your hands. You've got to love Him the most and express your affection to Him. Tell Him. Offer everything to God. Include Him in everything. Why is that? I'm going to close with this. Because all that God wants is this. A relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. And what do I know? What do you know? What we love the most is what we're going to worship the most. He wants our love. He wants our worship. He wants our attention. Would you stand all over this place right now?